You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the new Fox 59 CBS 4 podcast studio, they moved us around back here in-house. This is... Still no window. No, no windows. All locked in. This is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast, but plenty of... uh, Plenty of soundproofing, at least a little bit of soundproofing here and there, making us uh, sound better than we are. Alongside Mike Chapel, I am Dave Griffiths. Joe Hopkins here on the board as well. And uh, Mike, we've reached a little point where there's maybe a bit of a lull in Colts news, but that doesn't mean we are staying silent. That doesn't mean we are at a lull. We still deliver the Colts Blue Zone podcast on a weekly basis. We hope to. And there's one at least piece of news that has come over the past week. And that is the Colts claiming safety Derek Kindred off of waivers from Cleveland. We talked about safety last week. Mike was a glaring issue of Colts need. At least they got another body in there to join the group. Yeah, we need to see how they whether this is still a glaring need. Just because you had a body doesn't mean you added a, a piece that you think is going to be there. But but this was a guy. He, he's he he brings experience. Forty some games, sixteen seventeen starts. Two years ago, he started. He was a primary starter for the Browns. If I'm not mistaken, he, he was a restricted free agent. The Browns tendered a second-round comp, in, so he brings a $2 million price tag. Do they look at him as depth as, as a possible starter? Because, you know, keep in mind that's a position, like we talked, has been a position of concern. You re-signed Clayton Gathers on a very team-friendly deal, one-year deal. You tender Matthias Farley, so... Are you set there? I'm guessing maybe not. I think there's still a chance, maybe a good chance for a safety uh, early, and early is a relative term, in the draft. But uh, at least you're at the very least, you're increasing your depth at the position. I, I agree. It's it's at least uh, a call for depth because with Clayton Gathers, giving him the contract he got, that shows you that the Colts aren't confident that he's the answer long term. Because of his injury history or whatever it might be, you want more people, you need more bodies in there, and especially last year as Matthias Farley was hurt for a good portion of the year as well. You want depth, you need depth right there. Last year, the Colts entered the season with five safeties on their roster. Right now, there's about five or six, maybe more than that, that they have signed technically, but guys like Clayton Gethers, Malik Hooker, Matthias Farley... George Odom, like we have mentioned in the past, has seen special teams play or a little bit of play in the secondary. And Derek Kindred, guys like J.J. Wilcox as well, has been on the roster. So so that's at least your base right now. You have guys with NFL experience there. But once again, as you just mentioned, Mike, this is not a move that shores you up permanently long-term that you're confident in. So if you still have a guy in the first or second round that you were going after that you liked on tape, that you brought in, have good interviews or whatever, signing Derek Kindred or claiming him off waivers does not mean that the Colts are going to stay away from safety in this draft for sure. Right. And again, as we've mentioned, the one thing Chris Ballard has mentioned, he's, he's committed to improving top to bottom depth. And, and the question is going to be is, is how do they view uh, the people they have. I still think, like we've talked, I still think first two rounds, first three rounds, certainly, I see a safety coming in here. Now, whether they there's just a safety they just love at 26, you know, it's it's rare that a team takes a safety in round one. Malik Cooker was... Who was just that, slept to them. It was a surprise correct, he was there. Correct. And, and we'll see how he pans out. Very good abbreviated rookie season. Sort of an, uh, a transition year last year to the to the four three and more zone coverage, but uh, whether you whether you th- want to use a first round pick on a safety is that an impact position? If there's a player they just love at twenty six, it's a safety. Uh, they go that way. And we'll we will talk a little bit about uh, some projected mock draft speculation for the Colts who they might take in a little bit. We'll also get to uh, some moves around the league, maybe talk about that later. But, uh, Mike, you just mentioned uh, just a bit ago about Chris Ballard's commitment to building the roster and building um, – depth in particular through the draft top to bottom Um, and his first two drafts have certainly shown that uh, that that's the direction that he and the Colts are undeniably headed in with 19 overall picks in his first two drafts 17 of those guys are still with the team and that is in stark contrast to the guys who were here before in the previous regime and even during that regime of Ryan Grigson there was not a stable balance from year to year. 
I think back to specific drafts like the 2013 draft in particular that has very few, if I don't think anybody left on the Colts roster anymore, but those guys, most of them were gone within a couple of years. Rookie contracts are expired and see you later. Lately, with Chris Ballard, it seems like there's been more hits, number one, which certainly helps, but also the commitment to have these people on, bring them back hopefully for a second contract if you can get them there. Yeah, we looked and it's uh, from 2013 to, to 16, 26 picks, five players are still here. And you could argue that there's only maybe one difference maker, and that's Ryan Kelly. The other ones, you know, Clayton Gathers, Hassan Ridgeway. Joe Haig, who's a good movable part, and LaRaven Clark. So th- that that should be the the, the the foundation of your team, those drafts, uh, to where you're not having to hit on so much that they're doing now. The last, with Chris Ballard's first two drafts, like you said, 19 picks, 17 on the roster. But but it's the quality of those players. We're talking in many, in many uh, instances, you know, again, two first-team All-Pros in, in Darius Leonard, <laughs> Quentin Nelson. We're talking players who've made a difference. Marlon Mack, uh, it, it's just been a quality, quality uh, last two drafts, which which he had to have had because he, he really inherited a very thin roster. Braden Smith, Teray, Tyquan Lewis, Naheem Hines is just top to bottom. You know, some are, are more intriguing than others. Mm-hmm. But uh, when you can have a Malik Cooker, Quincy Wilson, Marlon Mack, and, and people like Anthony Walker, which was almost an afterthought. And a lot of us, myself included, wondered how he would tra- transition from the 3-4 to the 4-3. Solid, solid season. So it's if you're going to take the approach that Chris Ballard is taking, and we can argue whether he needs to stick to it as much as he has, build through the draft, you have to hit on your draft picks because the, 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 the key to that approach is to at some point re-sign your own, re- re-up your guys of those second contracts, and to this point, he hasn't been able to because the draft picks prior weren't good enough to re-up. But now we're starting to see that. What about the 2017 draft? I want to ask a question about that to you, Mike. Uh, Malik Hooker, Quincy Wilson, Marlon Mack, Grover Stewart, Nate Harrison, Anthony Walker still on this roster. Um, Terrell Basham, Zach Banner now gone. That's the group that's starting to, well, this is going to be their third year in the NFL. And... I guess everybody's second year under Frank Reich and that that group, but those are the people who are who you feel that they are certain you you know a bit more about them than the guys who were just drafted last year. As much as guys like Darius Leonard and Quentin Nelson impressed, the other guys there's a little bit more tape on them. There's a little bit more knowledge of those guys who are starting to approach the point where you're thinking, hey, do we re-sign them or not? This is going to be a big year for most of those guys in the 2017 draft class. Any of them that you're looking at in particular, that's that could vastly improve their stock or vastly need a strong season in order to earn that second contract from the Colts. We keep waiting for Malik Cooker to really emerge. Mm-hmm. Remember Chuck Pagano with Ed Reed comparison? Yeah. Which was, I'd rather not. I know. And I'm sure Malik Cooker would as well. But you need to see him settle in. He's still, you know, rookie season, sabotaged by injury. Last year he, he battled injuries as well. And, and he missed the playoff game, and we correct. saw he missed the playoff and game. We saw the difference. And, and that's, that's that depth we've talked about, the lack of depth. But you, you think you know what you have with him. You're pretty sure you know what you have with uh, Marlon Mack. I think he showed that he can be the guy. Still a little bit injury concern there with uh, missing some time. Missed, what, four games last year. The other guy's Quincy Wilson. You, you think you know, but do you know? I don't think you know. But, I don't know. Maybe they know better than me. Again, last year was was the first part of the season was that still immature uh, Quincy Wilson, and then with Mike Mitchell's influence, he really came on. Nate Harrison, who started the season, as you thought you knew what you had, then he had the bad game in what was it, Oakland? Yep, and I've talked about it several times on this podcast. It's in your mind. It you is. Can't get rid of it. No, I can't. Uh, so, but again, Anthony Walker, I think he's shown that not spectacular. But, but a solid, solid player. Uh, and again, if you go back a year a, a year prior, the one, the, the, the next rookie that might have that, either an extension, they, they've got to make a decision on Ryan Kelly. They have until May 3rd, I believe it is, to either do the uh, team option for a fifth year for 2020 or, which might be more likely, is give, just go ahead and extend it. 
Mm-hmm. If you're convinced he's going to be a guy who can be your center and the injuries aren't a concern, then it probably makes more sense just to extend him and get that out of the way. And I think that's your only concern with Ryan Kelly is injuries because he's had a couple the past few seasons and has missed some time. Uh, Evan Bain stepped in and did, did a very fine job replacing him or, or filling in for him. But it, when, when Ryan Kelly's on the field, it, you notice the difference, in particular in the run game. Evan Bain, there was a drop-off because there's a drop-off in player. But when Ryan Kelly was on the field, this was a quality <laughs> top-tier offensive line. Yes, it had to do with Costanzo and Nelson, but it also had a lot to do with the way Ryan Kelly and, and Andrew Luck worked yeah. together. It's just that's what you want. That's what, at a higher level, Peyton Manning and Jeff Saturday had. Now, I mean, we're we're not going to put Kelly and Luck in that in that not yet. category yet. We just can't. But that's what you want. And if they're convinced that the injuries are 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 not a major concern, then it makes more sense just to extend him and get that out of the way. Get, get, it's going to cost you roughly $10 million, $11 million to do that fifth-year option, so you just get the extension out of the way. I'll tell you who who really caught my eye when I was going down this list. The question I asked you earlier about the 2017 draft uh, class was Anthony Walker. Um, I thought that first year he was very much, eh, okay. Last had an injury concern early. He did. You're right. I think he missed most, if not all, of camp even, but there was a big amount of time where he was out. Um, but this past year, I thought he surpassed my expectations, at least transitioning to the four, three, as you mentioned earlier, wasn't sure how he would take that seemed to take it pretty well. Uh, I think he had 10 plus tackles for loss, if I recall correctly. So clearly that's a role that he thrived in. It wasn't just Darius Leonard making plays at linebacker. Anthony Walker made his fair share last year as well. And if he continues to do that, he's going to earn a nice next contract. And, and that's what you want. You want, you want to keep add on these guys who, is he a great Pro Bowl type player? Probably not, but you need to have these these midline players who, are, who they simply play, they contribute, they make plays that make a difference, and that's what Anthony Walker did. Uh, again, he's a guy that should only get better second year in the system in this system, and you know his only problem last year again he was overshadowed by Darius Leonard, right? Which is a good problem to have. Now, when you're looking at who the Colts might draft in the first round, that is probably someone you would want to be a Pro Bowl-level type player. Anthony Walker taken several uh, several rounds later, about fifth round, I think near the end of the fifth round, 2017. But anyway, back to the Colts' first round pick for this year. It's going to be a couple weeks before the draft, but never enough pre-draft talk. And uh, out of all the mock drafts, the Colts have multiple people who... Uh, who are they are projected to take by multiple different prognosticators. And I think, Mike, just first of all, before we get into specifics, it tells me that because so many people are pe- picking so many different choices for the Colts, that they have, A, different holes that they can fill, and B, not one glaring need that they absolutely need to address at the bottom of the first round. Well, and in fact, at the bottom of the first round, it's very hard. It's It's just so hard. And that too. When all there must be, I mean, how, how many mock drafts are there? 20, 30, whatever. And some people are on their fourth or fifth version. Exactly. They, they change just to change so it can be the next version. But the one thing that is sort of constant, not the name so much as the positions a wide receiver, a defensive lineman, and then either a corner or a safety. So I think either people on the outside are following the local media on what those of us who sort of follow the team and sort of know more intimate on what they need. But, but to put a name with these, it's just kind of crazy. And it's funny. I just wonder what guys do to change their mind. Like Mel Kuyper had had, uh, was it AJ Brown? Was their pick? I think it was in the, in the previous. And now it's Terry McLaurin, the the kid from cathedral. Woo cathedral. So I mean, what did he do? What, what did, what did either Brown do or or or, or Terry McLaurin do to, to change things? Or it's strange. It's it's just to get clicks. Um, I mean, <laughs> Terry McLaurin has had a great pre-draft process. He had a wonderful pro day. Um, you know, his combine was great. He ran a four three. But there's no way in hell that Terry McLaurin belongs in the first round. Third round, maybe. Joe. Yeah, exactly. Bringing the fire. The, the poor yeah, Irish. No, no, no. I'm just saying. It's... You go to Shatard or where'd you go? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just see stuff like this, and it, it's just pretty obvious that this. There's no way Mel Kuyper seriously thinks Terry McLaurin's gonna be a first round pick. I'd be stoked if the Colts got him in the third round, but. But that, that's where I would say, you know. 
again, I think you're going to come up with a mock draft in, in a week or so. Yeah, I'm a Good. little closer to the combine draft. Godspeed to you. But, <laughs> but at 26, again, I always lock in when you're at the bottom of the round. What position are you more likely uh, to, to target? And it looks like this is a very, very solid defensive draft, especially defensive line, front seven draft. You're going you're gonna to have at least two quarterbacks, maybe, I don't know, three or four, because teams always reach for quarterbacks. They can't help themselves. Yep. They're, they're afraid of passing on that next Blaine Gabbert. I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. and that's the problem you have when you reach. But the more you know, the more of these quality positions, quarterback, get a couple of running backs, maybe jump when they shouldn't and go up there, and then maybe quality players drift down to 26. The uh, other wide receiver, you mentioned Mel Kuyper's uh, pick of Terry McLaurin, which Joe is in love with. Um, <laughs> there's the other wide receiver that I've seen the Colts projected to take is DK Metcalf, the uh, the rather large human being out of Mississippi, a 6'3", 228 pounds. If you've seen pictures, one of them went viral of him working out with one of his teammates at an Exos facility just this from the past couple months before the um, before the combine. He is a one jacked gentleman, let me tell you, and he put it on display at the combine the top wide receiver in the bench press 225 pounds up 27 times that's that's some offensive lineman and defensive lineman territory right there what you do on with 27 uh, on the bench also ran a 4-3-3 40-yard dash which was among the best I think the second best among all wide receivers but for every good thing you get something bad as well that's why you fall to the end of the first round like these these all these prospects they have something that's that's not quite perfect about them unless they're taken top five overall and even still then there's always going to be little things that that scouts look at and see oh we can tweak this or do better but um the what what jumps off the page absolutely off the page about metcalf are really dreadful numbers in the three cone and the 20 yard shuttle that he put forth in the combine and that's this, that quick twitch and exactly. the quickness and agility and that's like wide receivers some wide receivers need that unless you ask him only to be the deep threat guy or just run certain routes for the colts wide receiver tree i'd imagine they want him to run a variety of routes so i don't know how well metcalf would even fit in with the colts with their scheme that they have on offense right now I always get concerned when when guys have this off the charts combine work. Mike Mamula. I mean, it's we beat that to death, but that's that's he's a poster boy for that. Is isn't your college tape and what you've done so much more overriding on what to expect from a player? You are you know your your tape is who you are, mm-hmm. and for and I don't I don't think the quality scouts allow the combine to really sway what they do it, it sort of fills in fills in some blanks and maybe it says well we need to go back and check this that what did we miss and in the, probably most cases they miss nothing this is who the guy is I just want to bl- and that's why I like, like like Terry McLaren it's sort of limited exposure not exposure but pr- productivity mm-hmm. at Ohio State was it 35 catches as a senior but 20 yards a catch 11 touchdowns you know, does that translate over if you get more opportunities? But if if I'm a scout, I, I just go on the two or three, maybe four years of college tape as opposed to three or four days at the Combine. And that's what Chris Ballard has told us when we get to talk to him at events like the Combine, Mike. You, you've heard it multiple times saying, hey, if somebody jumps off the page at the Combine, that doesn't shoot him up the draft board immediately. Right. You go back and you look at the tape to see what you may have missed in that scenario. And a guy like DK, he has 67 catches in college. He, he just doesn't have the tape to warrant a first-round pick. And like you said, his, because Oh, somebody have, I think is going to take him in the first round. I think they will, but I don't think he belongs in the first round okay. i wouldn't be happy if the Colts. joe doesn't play. like anybody in the first round just, uh, just listen news he's, he's trading he's trading back huh? <laughs> the value of a receiver in this draft is in the second round there's a lot of good receivers there's not a lot of elite great receivers so i think you know taking a guy like dkf dk metcalf who like you said <laughs> dkf that should be his nickname um like you said <laughs> he can't run a full route tree because he doesn't have the agility so oh you know limited player in the first round i just I'm not a fan of that. That's why I, I keep looking the way it looks like it breaks down, not knowing who may fall or whatever. My priority, again, is you need defensive line, you need receiver, and you need secondary help. 
the way the draft looks like it's it's slotted, it looks like you get more quality for what you want defensive line in round one, and then you can argue it. What's the first pick in the second round? Is thirty four? Mm-hmm. The Colts have a thirty four. Thirty four yeah, and fifty nine. Yes, and I think you can get a receiver in that second round or or in the third round because uh, again the moves they've made to me in the off season have done very little to alter or make them adjust what they're going to do in the draft. Justin Houston, short-term. Devin Fungis, certainly one short-term with a one-year contract. Every need you had is still a need long-term. When you look further at more possible picks that the Colts might make, almost everyone else, I think everyone else, is either in the secondary or on the defensive line. And we've spoken about how this draft is – um, becoming famous for all the strong defensive linemen that are in it. Um, and because there's so many guys who are given a first or a first-second-round grade, it's hard to tell who's going to still be left over near there. Because, for one, all the guys who are at the top of the board will go off, you think, early. And then you get to some point where some teams might not want a defensive lineman, but they still are picking up there, so they might reach for a guy like a DK Metcalf or a quarterback like we were talking about earlier. So some really good defensive lineman could fall to the Colts near the end of the first round. Some of the choices that um, that I've seen, let's see here, really the main defensive lineman that, that is showing up, there's two defensive linemen that, that are in my notes right here. We have Jerry Tillery, who you've spoken about on this podcast before, Mike, out of Notre Dame. He's coming off a head shoulder surgery. Right, he is. Recently. He has been progressively better year to year, which I think was speaks volumes about what Notre Dame has done to develop him, number one. And also it helps. I think that's a good thing if you are able to show that you get better and better every year in one system and you continue to grow as a player yourself. So that's one. The other player is Dexter Lawrence, the defensive tackle out of Clemson. Coming out of high school was one of the highest touted recruits in the class of 2016, I believe it was, for good reason. Because he's about 340 pounds, a mammoth dude, which seems to be the NFL's going away from, Mike, the absolute 340-pound monsters in the middle of the defensive line that just eat up blocks. The old Halodinadas are kind of fading or, or, away. Or last couple of years here, Al Woods. Yeah, or Al Woods, type too. Type of thing. But, but what separates Dexter Lawrence and what earns him a first-round grade from many scouts or many, um, many mock drafters is everything that comes along with his size. And he is more agile he has more speed he has incredible strength even though he has long arms had 36 bench prep bench prep let me try this one more time can't do it can you bench press reps that's syracuse education for you it's terrible i should mail my (laughs) mail my uh diploma back but anyway really long i'm trying to say he has long arms and still benched 36 times which you don't see very often some guy has long arms that number goes down because you have longer arms, you're pushing a whole lot more. Dexter's number productivity. Not. Yes, 162 tackles. Yeah, let's talk about productivity. That's 20, 20 tackles for loss, 11 sacks, 43 pressures. To get that from the interior is really it, it just magnifies your defensive line. Uh, and again, consider maybe he in there with uh, a Tyquan Lewis or Dina Coatria in their in their defensive line rotation with Justin Houston outside and Teray outside and Jamal Sherrod outside. They, they want to attack offenses with seven or eight defensive linemen per game, keep them healthy for the game and for the long term. So he'd be a great fit. But but there are red flags. Right. And in particular, he was suspended for the national title game and for the college football playoff, the semifinal last year. Uh, failed a test for performance-enhancing drugs. Is this an isolated incident or not? Well, apparently he went to the combine and said that he tested negative for everything at the combine, so he passed that test. If it's a one-time thing, if your scouts go in and say that, hey, this we don't know how it happened, or this is a one-time instance, that it's not something that's a historical to be concerned about, then you sweep it under the rug and say, okay, he's, he's here now, and that's that's in the past. But, well, that's what the scouts are paid for, to find that, out that's, those things. That's, that's the main part of the evaluation process, is as much as you want to just go on, like we talked about, 20 tackles for a loss, plays that make a difference, this guy had has had a hiccup. And again, like you said, is it a one-time deal? And if you if you have serious issues, and to me, you, you can't take... It's like one, one player I've seen people have an interest in. Is, that, is it Jeffrey Simmons? Yes, from Mississippi State. 
that some people say he's a top ten talent. Yes, ACL surgery. Right. Can the Colts afford to take a basically a red shirt defensive lineman in the first round? I, I think not. But there's, you always have to do your work. How far and, and to, to veer from that? They, they had they brought in Jay Ajayi uh, for, for a free agent visit, coming off an ACL. That's doing your due diligence. You you have to double check, triple check on medical. Where are these guys? How soon can you be ready? They've already got Dion Kane. They're looking at how how quick can he come back? But that's a part of the puzzle you have to go into. Let me make a case, Joe, before you hop in for uh, for Jeffrey Simmons. If the Colts are on the path now like they think they are, that they're not going to draft in the top 10 anytime in the near future, maybe you do take a chance on someone this year who is perhaps a top 10 talent at the end of the first round who falls because of injury. Maybe this is the only time to do that because you're still working your way. I I, I don't know. This is I'm just trying to, to play devil's advocate to your argument. Well, and if you want to argue that, then, then you can argue that they have pretty good depth already on the, on the defensive line. The people we've talked about, you know, keep in mind you've got Grover Stewart, you've got Hassan Ridgeway, you've got a lot of bodies, yes, proven bodies. So, so maybe they think they can I, I, again have a red shirt season. I, I just don't know if that's what you want to do. Again, no one in your mind that this guy's a top ten talent. That's that's why again Ballard and his, his staff uh, spend so much time going over the tape. I would rather see them take a Jeffrey Simmons, who has much higher ceiling, in my opinion, than Lawrence. I mean, how do you guys feel about a nose tackle in the first round? Somebody who's going to, you know, just take on multiple blockers. You know, you mentioned that, you know, he got to the quarterback and he is more athletic than your normal 340 pounder. But keep in mind, he was on that Clemson defensive line with first round pick Cleveland Farrell, first round pick um, Christian Wilkins. Christian Wilkins. Um, and Austin Bryan is also going to be a pro so it's not like they he was facing double teams you couldn't double team anyone on that line and we've seen teams try and find the next Haloti Nada but keep coming up with Danny Shelton's Hmm. Vita Vea's and Malcolm Brown's I just don't know how much you value a nose tackle in the first round I I don't disagree and that's why they're, they're going to this this I don't say somewhat smaller when you're talking the interior line you're talking 300 as opposed to 340 but I think maybe there is something to that they want that athletic guy but again if you can get a guy who if you can get away from the size can get to the quarterback can create disruption and you say they couldn't double team him well you won't be double teaming him in the pros either when you've got the people that they've got on the outside with Justin Houston but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they steer more steer clear of a bigger guy because he is a projected nose tackle as opposed to, again, Jerry Tillery, coming back to him, that type of guy who's, who's more of an athletic, quicker sideline-to-sideline guy. And maybe the Colts decide to go more secondary help at the end of the first round. We've talked about secondary a lot as being one of the big needs. Um, a couple players that, uh, again, a couple mock drafts have the Colts projected to take, maybe Taylor Rapp, the safety out of Washington. Another from UW, Brian Murphy, cornerback. Um, he had a really, really great year last year. Um led the nation in pro football focus uh, overall grading, uh, 91.9. And um, I know Scout, former Scout, now works with the NFL.com, Daniel Jeremiah said he should be attractive to teams playing zone defense, which the Colts do. They play zone defense. So if Byron Murphy falls to them, I would not be surprised if they pick him. Also, Jonathan Abram, safety out of Mississippi State. And let's see, Justin Lane, cornerback of Michigan State. So all these, uh, another bunch of choices, possibly, Mike, if the Colts decide to fill one of the one of the holes that they perceive to have in secondary. Any of those guys really leap off the page to you as as intriguing? For me, like I said, I think Murphy might be the most intriguing of all of them. He had a really good grade. He's supposed to play well in zone defense. I think that that's a guy that you could put in um, and alongside a... Pierre Desir, Quincy Wilson, uh, then who else is there? Nate Harrison. Kenny Moore, Nate Harrison, Jalen Collins, Chris Milton, all, all those guys in there. And see if we're, see where he fits, see where he falls out. And, and then if, if they go safety, Jonathan Abram, Mississippi State, would you be looking to, to have a box safety? Is it, you, you've got your free safety yep. in Malik Cooker. So are, are they so, you know, they, do they look for the, the stereotypical, we got our free safety, now, now we need our – or box safety in previous defenses. I don't think they really worried about that. Maybe they do more now. You've got 
Clayton Gathers is that box safety. Kind of most play linebacker at times. Do you go to get a box safety to where you want that guy towards near the line of scrimmage a lot more? So, again, the thing is they have a lot of options. And I guess I would argue not glaring needs right away. Right. So so you do sort of have the luxury of you hate to go when they're going to fall back. And, and Chris Battle will tell us this when we we'll talk take the to best player available. BPA, <laughs> and, and it's it's you just you just you're stuck with that. But in this case, you could argue that that's what they need to do and, and will do. But I I still I, I guess you we're going to argue whether it's in the secondary, it's a corner or a safety. I just don't think. Uh, the Cleveland Brown waiver claim guy is going to impact their desire to do something at safety. And kind of similar to our Dexter Lawrence conversation about do you take a nose tackle in today's NFL, between Jonathan Abram, who's that box safety, like you said, the hard hitter, um, he'll knock you out. He also ran a four four five, so he's got speed too, as opposed to Taylor Rapp, a guy who can come up and hit you. He's actually a little heavier than Abram, but he's much more agile and he can cover far better do you think the Colts might lean towards a guy who can cover a little better than Abram, even though Abram is closer to a linebacker and more of that prototypical classic box safety? I think for the Colts, they would lean towards someone who's more of a playmaker. That's what you want if you're running this scheme that they run in your secondary. You want guys who are playmakers. You want so guys Taylor who Rapp. go after the ball. Well, that's that's maybe their why they had the interest in Landon Collins, right? Until his money got crazy. Mm-hmm. So again, he wasn't he he wasn't that that great cover safety. He was more of the of the of the box guy who who could cover who who could cover in the run support and do some underneath coverage. But I just sort of think if if you look at the way they have guys slotted, Malik Hooker is your free safety. You need to shore up. You know the the box safety because again it's it's clear with that one year deal that they have only limited faith in Clayton Gathers. No doubt, and whew, boy, I we're we're just scratching the surface with with our draft coverage here on Colts Blue Zone podcast. We'll we'll talk much more about it really over the next couple of weeks. Maybe some um, some more reports about either who's in town, who the Colts have talked to, uh, who they might be interested in. But uh, to, to better predict and understand the future, we can dive into the past as well a little bit. So we're going to look at the, uh, some of the Colts draft picks from the past five years and go round by round, talk about um, what we liked, what we didn't like over the past five years, and see, uh, see where that has left the Colts roster right now. All these decisions that it's one player, but that's why you spend months and months and months diving into these guys to see exactly what characteristics they have, and how that could impact your franchise moving forward. So for the Colts, first-round picks the last five years. Let's run them down. Last year, guard Quentin Nelson. Mike, you've already been on uh, on record in the past saying that you don't know if a guard should be taken that high, but if there's any guard who should be taken that high, it's probably Quentin He's Nelson. No doubt. 2017, Malik Hooker at safety, who fell to the Colts, was projected to take be taken higher than he was, but... Was it an ACL? I know it was a leg injury. I think it was. I thought, I thought it was a core injury. I thought it was like a groin or hip. You might type be right of thing. With the it groin. wasn't an ACL. The ACL okay. was as a rookie. It was next. In, in, when it was in his rookie that's season. That's correct. But he he came in damaged injured. goods. Yes, correct. and that's why he fell in the draft. Correct. And he seemed to recover from that just fine. And last year he seemed to recover from the ACL reasonably fine to just fine at right. least. So you got him. 2016 center Ryan Kelly. Not a whole lot of people take centers in the first round, but once again, that's that's a position, as we know, having covered this team for years, was just a rotating door of who's who in front Samson of Andrew Samson you know, yeah. Mike McGlynn, A.J. A.Q. Shipley, so, Jonathan, so, Jonathan Harrison. The names just are there and gone. So it became such a glaring need that, right. hey, you, you take your center in the first round and plug him in there for the next decade. 2015, a reach, to say the least, to go out and get Philip Dorsett. The one thing that Ryan Grigson said was he, he had elite speed. Jim Irsay's Jim comment was, Al Davis would have loved that pick. Yes. Which would have told you, pick somebody else. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I doubt anybody else had a first-round grade on Philip Dorsett, or very few did. But he was taken because of his speed, and we all saw what happened through that. 
2014, the Colts did not have a first-round pick. They traded it away for Trent Richardson. You know what? You can look back on that and laugh right now. You absolutely can. We weren't laughing at the time. I'm I'm telling you, anyone who says they were against that trade at the time. Liars. They're they're just lying. They they, they just are. Because we all thought, hey, this is – this is a pairing of of Peyton Manning and Edron James at a lower level. It's Andrew Luck and a young running back, and it just didn't work out. Which which is stunning looking back on it that so many people said, that's, that's it. You got it. You got your guy. You got your group. And then, as we saw, that did not happen with Trent Richardson. So, from Joe, you have something to say? I was just going to say the Browns look smart for a moment until they spent that pick on Johnny Manziel. Well, 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 well. Yes, they did. And then they they were both just recently in the defunct or soon to be defunct AAF. Oh, yes. Trent Richardson, I think, has the all time AAF record now with 11 touchdowns, 11 career touchdowns. That's part of, remember when he, it was the last offseason where he said, I'm still going to get that yellow yellow jacket? Maybe. (laughs) Yeah, good luck. He you was talking Hall of Fame. We were talking Century Go out to Marshallism. Yeah, <laughs> that too. <laughs> Find it there. From those, from from just the past five years, um, obviously three guys who are still on the roster that have a very big impact, two guys that are not on the roster who uh, one of them w- had red flags from the start. The other one, the red flag showed up, showed up quite quickly. Um, I think the last three were all great picks. Um Quentin Nelson, you might argue that you want more of a playmaker, something as high as he was in the draft, but daggum, if he wasn't wasn't an all-pro year one and made that offensive line, helped it be so much better. So I think it's hard to argue against it right now. My argument was always, and it still is, is at six, you want a difference maker. And we can argue whether a guard can be a difference maker. I realize we have the pancake blocks and and the, the attitude he brought, which is undeniable. I still, if, if the situation is is equal, give me the guy that can, that can get me 14 sacks or, or, or 12 touchdown catches or whatever, although I'd never take a receiver at number six. I would, you know, all things being equal, I'd rather have a difference maker, you know, game to game to game. But we, we can't question Quentin Nelson's commitment, contribution, and again, barring injury, he's going to be all pro Pro Bowl for the next 10 years. Well, no doubt the Colts got a difference maker in round two last year, and perhaps more than one to be determined. First of all, Darius Leonard, linebacker out of South Carolina State, called, I believe, by Bleacher Report uh, the worst pick in the draft. So congratulations, Bleacher Report, on that. Uh, Swing and a miss. Also, Braden Smith, who uh, originally Chris Ballard and company thought, oh, we'll project him as a guard. And then they slide him into right tackle and, like, oh, he's pretty good at tackle here. And Coach Gouge says, yeah, he's a tackle. And so there he stuck at right tackle and turned out to have a pretty solid year. Kamoko Ture out of Rutgers, Taekwon Lewis out of Ohio State. That's four second round picks last year. All of them, at least somewhat, uh, contributed to the team in some way. Uh, Ture probably the least out of them, but still was fairly productive when he was on the field. Just didn't see the field all that much, whether it was due to injuries or due to being behind people on the depth chart. Um, so those there's four guys from last year. 2017, Quincy Wilson, cornerback out of Florida, has uh, been in the doghouse and out of the doghouse and in the doghouse and deeper in the doghouse and then maybe came out of the doghouse, hopefully knock on wood for good, but he's only had two years in the league, so we'll see. TJ Green, 2016. A, uh, a flaming failure, if there ever was one in the second round. Uh, TJ had probably more pass interference or personal foul penalties than he had passes defended in his career with the Colts. And if you saw him on the field in practice, he leapt off the field. He is an all-time practice player, Mike. All-time practice player, all-time combine type yes. player. That's what scares me when we talk about Metcalf. If, if you parade guys out there, all these guys we've talked about, and just look at him, and even go through drills. T.J. Green, he's, he's just a he's what you want at safety, size, attitude. But now, part of the problem was the Colts didn't know what to do with him. Yes. Is he a corner? Is and they he tried safety? to move him back and forth. Right. That and, did not and, help, and, him. and that didn't help him at all. But you, to, to swing and miss, which they did on a second round pick, it just cripples you. My thing with T.J. Green is even if they moved him back and forth every game. It doesn't excuse the personal foul penalties that we saw, the late hits that we saw, the too That's many That's a lack of discipline. It is. And you know what? He's blocked me on Twitter, so, so I don't care what, what I say. I can say whatever I want. I don't even think I said anything bad about him on Twitter. This is the worst I've ever talked about T.J. Green right now. And 
I don't know why he blocked me, Joe. But I, you, you didn't make it up. I mean, <laughs> if you make stuff up to, to troll somebody, that's one thing. But yeah. th- this is these are facts. I, yeah, I think he just blocked every like every local media because well, he was T.J. Green and he was upset about things. I could see that. that well. So anyway, um, also 2015 in the second round, no picks for the Colts. 2014, Jack Muhort, who had several. I think pretty solid years at left guard right alongside um, Anthony Costanzo. He's, he's one of those what-if guys. Exactly. If, if, if only injuries weren't an issue, he, he would be part of the rotation at, at least, maybe maybe even a starter. Right, and that's what you'd want out of your second-round pick. Right. You want guys who are starters for, for eight years, for sure. So they got one in Darius Leonard. Seems like they got one in Braden Smith. Uh, Kamoko Ture, still to be determined, I think. Another he, may be, year. he may end up being a specialist guy. Yeah. A pass rush guy. Uh-huh. But for that, to get four quality players, and I think Tycon Lewis is going to be a quality we player. We only saw, he just scratched the surface because he missed first half of the season with a foot injury, I believe I agree. it was. Yes. And we only saw a glimmer of what he may be. Quincy Wilson, we need to see something this year or else uh, that's probably it in the Quincy Wilson experiment. Even if the Colts draft somebody to compete with him this year, he needs to match that intensity and step up to the plate. At, at some point, you just can't say, well, he's young. Yeah. He came into the league young and he's still mature. At some point, the light has to go on, which the light's gone on. Mm-hmm. Will it stay on? TJ Green, gone. Jack Muhort, gone. Round three now. 2018 last year, no picks in round three in spite of uh, four picks in the second round. So none last year. 2017, uh, Terrell Basham out of Ohio. It was a guy that a lot of people were excited about coming out of Ohio University. Had some pass rush potential, but not uh, nothing that really showed itself here with the Colts. 2016, offensive tackle LaRaven Clark out of Texas Tech. We've seen LaRaven. He's now the backup, really, to Anthony Costanzo at left tackle. Seems to have solidified himself in that role. Has had a couple good games when he comes in to, to fill in, but... I don't think he's someone you want consistently as your but left or your right he, he's, tackle. He's one of those guys. Unfortunately, the longer he plays, you see why. Yes, he's he a fell backup. down to it because there were there, there have been two or three signature plays last year that he didn't make. Uh, I think the one in Philadelphia where Luck got sacked mm-hmm. uh, on fourth down inside the goal or down by the goal line. So they want to get better there. But he's still around, and he's, he's a serviceable backup. Dejon Smith is no longer around. I remember Chuck Pagano thinking very highly of Dejon Smith, cornerback out of Florida Atlantic. Injuries did not help him. I don't, did he did he ever make any play that was at all significant in a Colts uniform, Mike? I, I looked can't it recall. up. No, he played four games yeah. for the Colts. He's played five games in the NFL. Yeah. Hasn't played the last two years. That's when you've got a second-rounder in T.J. Green, a third-rounder in, in Dejon Smith. And neither one played last year. Yeah. And Smith, but again, these are the two guys that they really caught the Colts' eye because of their athleticism and what they could do on the field, and it never translated. If I'm not mistaken, DeJon Smith's one that came in was going to be the next Deion Sanders. Yeah, right. Uh, and it, it maybe, maybe that's an announcing career. I don't know. <laughs> but to, 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 when you miss, to me, players taking the first three rounds are projected starters. Yes. And when when the guys aren't even no longer in the league, it's just it, it cripples what you've done up to that point. And that's why we're still talking now the 2019 draft, saying the Colts need secondary help because you whiffed at these picks in 2016, 2015. Well, and, and it's why they're still chasing pass rushers. Yep. I, I go back. I just don't blame it on these guys or Grigson. Bill Polian whiffed on Jerry Hughes here. Mm-hmm. Now Jerry Hughes has played a really really good career in Buffalo. But but from here you go, you know, it was Jerry Hughes, and then it was Bjorn Werner, and then it was Jonathan Newsom, then it was Terrell Basham, and now it's Kamoko Ture. The, the worst thing you can do in the NFL, besides missing on a quarterback in the first round, is chase mistakes at positions. Because then you, you always have to, again, address pass rush. They have to go out and get Justin Houston because somebody else didn't, didn't develop. So chasing mistakes in the NFL is why teams are 4-12 and 12 and – in eight and eight. Also from the 2015 draft in the third round, the Colts took Henry Anderson out of Stanford, who I really liked. I thought he had a pretty good career here, and now he had a pretty good last season with the Jets as well. This Colts decided to let him go because they didn't like him in their scheme, but I think he's going to be a pretty solid NFL player for for a while as long as he can not get hit in the throat again. Oh, was it a crushed, crushed larynx or something? Larynx, that's yeah, what it was. Larynx. That's something again. It's something we've heard like maybe once. Yeah, yeah. And all the sound years, comfortable. But yeah, he goes to the Jets and was one of their. Defensive MVPs. Mm-hmm. Like he had seven sacks, 10 tackles for loss, 
and that translated into a was it a twenty four million dollar contract, seventeen million guaranteed. Uh, good for him. one of the good guys too. Yes, it's it's sometimes we get we get so hung up on just what is his player. This is a guy that was he, he would be you know t- to go to cliche. He, he's a Colts type guy, a horseshoe guy, a horseshoe guy. Yes. It's what you want in the locker room, and then by the way, you can play. So uh, I would like to have seen you know in hindsight maybe Henry Anderson here still being a rotational guy. I'm not saying in place of a Marcus Hunt. Mm-hmm. But that's what that's what he was, and he just really emerged in the Jets. Joe, did you look up Henry Anderson's contract there? Yeah, um, Mike pretty much nailed it. Uh, Twenty-five million over three years with seventeen million guaranteed. Far be it for me to question Mike Chappell. It's, it's just, I looked that up, and it's just that's what again. That's what, when you just keep quiet, do your job, and produce. They're going, they're going to reward you in most cases. Someone who did not keep quiet, uh, Dante Moncrief, a third round pick. In uh, 2014, you cannot call him quiet, especially if he catches an eight-yard pass on third and ten and starts celebrating down there on the field. And you know what? Okay, congratulations, you caught the ball. Exactly. (laughs) You know, so that that irked many a Colts fan, and I completely understand why. And of course, then he got upset that people criticized him for it, and it's like, hey, I do this game, I play this game that I love, and at some point, I I get that mindset completely. It's it's not. It's not my place to say how you celebrate what you're doing, but you have to be aware of the optics of what you're doing. Time and place. Yes, there's a time and place for these things. You can go and you can you can celebrate all you want, but you're not going to be immune from criticism for celebrating all you want. So he was criticized here for not being able to fill up fulfill his potential and he does have tremendous potential at wide receiver. Uh, another Mike. guy that optics tell you. Yes. This guy should be an off the chart not a number one guy, but a solid number two. He's got the size, and he, he can stretch the field, and he just teases you. And uh, he's on what his third team now. Yep, yep. In three, third team in three years. And but but he'll get a good chance to go to Pittsburgh and and be a major player. Of course, he's now there. He'll fight for Darius Haywood Bay for 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 opportunities. I think I think Darius is still there. But uh, again, in the end, Dante is going to be a guy who he'll play ten years. He'll he'll be a pretty good play, ten years for like five teams mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and make thirty forty million dollars. Yeah, it's a lot more than I'm going to make. So he's going to be the one celebrating all the way to the bank. <laughs> uh, so that's the third round. We'll briefly touch on rounds four and five, maybe a little bit less discussion, but still we'll get into them. Round four. Still has some very, very important players for the Colts this year. 2018, Naheem Hines out of NC State. 2017, a pair of fourth-round picks. Offensive tackle Zach Banner out of USC and running back Marlon Mack out of South Florida. So both two running backs right there in Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines over the last two years in the fourth round that were crucial last year and we anticipate being crucial again this year 2017 as well grover stewart defensive tackle out of albany state georgia hoorah 2016 a pair of third round picks hassan ridgeway out of texas who's still on the roster this year but he's gonna have to he he was an all preseason type performer last year he had a bunch of sacks in the preseason Every, every preseason there's a guy yep and and he was the guy last year and Caesar rayford but Caesar Rayford? I don't remember that name. He, he led the NFL in sacks one preseason. The Colts uh, traded him to Dallas, and people went ballistic, and he's like, ah. he was just a guy. Yeah. and Also 2016, fourth-round pick Antonio Morrison, linebacker out of Florida. He was the dude who barked at a police dog. And he also just he either got someone on, from the Athletic just posted a story that he was either arrested or detained or thrown off a flight recently in Green Bay because he was cussing out the uh, the attendance because for whatever reason he was a guy that was uh, that you always he was always on the edge of being out of control so this doesn't surprise me at all. And then 2015 in the fourth round, the Colts select Clayton Gathers, safety out of Central Florida. So from that list, Gathers from 2015. Uh, obviously a guy that they have expectations, some expectations for this year, and you don't know if he's your guy long term. Um, Ridgeway and Stewart have to prove themselves this year on defensive line. 
Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines, I think they're pretty solid on this roster for the next couple of years. A pair of running backs still on their rookie contracts that are very productive. At least they were productive last year. And then Zach Banner, of course, is gone. A huge offensive tackle out of USC that did not land here. Went to the Browns, and I don't think he's even with the Browns anymore. Yeah, he, 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 he and... Uh, uh... David Perry, was it? Went to the Browns? No, who was it? It was, oh, shoot. Who was JJ? Ah, I don't know. Oh, my mind is just swimming I'm in circles right now. But, but shoot. Banner's one of the two guys. T.Y. McGill. That's who it there was. Who went to the Browns? Who went okay. to the Browns? Ha ha. Got it. But, but uh, Zach Banner's one of the two draft picks from Ballard that's no longer here. He and Terrell Basham. Right. So when you're 17 for 19 and most of the guys are, are significant players, you've had a good draft. One guy you mentioned that one of the later picks. In 16, round five, was Joe Haig. He, he, yes. he He's a guy that's so easy to forget. Mm-hmm. He, he, you know, we always used to compare him, still do, to Joe Wrights. You, you, you don't appreciate Joe Haig or Joe Wrights until you need him. Yes. Joe Wrights had a pretty doggone good career here, being the guy that we want to get better than Joe Wrights. But in November and December, you're playing Joe Wrights. You're starting Joe Wrights. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Joe Haig gives you the flexibility of playing all five positions. Uh, he, he may be, you know, last year he was going to be the backup center until things happened. But uh, Joe Haig can, can fill in. I'm sure he would rather be in a spot mm-hmm. to develop. But there's something to be said to be in that seventh or eighth guy because at some point you're going to play your seventh or eighth guy. Also, along with Joe Haig, fifth-round picks, that was 2016. 2017, Anthony Walker, who we talked about already. I think a big year, big two important years ahead for him in terms of his future. 2017, also in the fifth round, a second fifth-round pick that year, Nate Harrison, uh, cornerback out of Temple, who's certainly flashed in his rookie year and maybe at the beginning of his be sophomore a monster, year. monster, monster yes. make-or-break for him. Then 2018, last year, a pair of picks in the fifth round, including running back Jordan Wilkins out of Ole Miss and wide receiver Darius Fountain out of Northern Iowa. For Fountain, a huge year because, well, he didn't really see the field last year. For Wilkins, a big year because, well, he seems to be in a rotation of Colts running backs right now. And I don't think that they're going out and grabbing anybody else right now. If they do, maybe they do. It, like they, they brought in Jay Ajayi as, as a test, but they haven't signed him or anything, so it looks like Wilkins is still going to be counted on this year. And he, you know, he's not flashy. He, he's, he's in a perfect role being that third guy. Uh, he, he could be their third down guy. He, he's a good receiver. Showed a little bit of burst in the open field. So if he's your third running back, you're in pretty good shape. Because, again, Marlon Mack's going to be the bell cow as much as they're going to have a bell cow. And then Nahi Hines gives you that versatility. 50 catches maybe out of the backfield. Maybe. What did, he have? did he have like 60 he this had year? 60 last year. Yeah, this past year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and, and you, you would think they're only going to expand his role. So, uh, it, it, again, it's, it's a top to bottom, the roster, whether we're talking running back, receiver, whatever. It's a very solid roster, top to bottom. But they need to add those three or four or five above just, you know, middle-of-the-road players, and that's what the draft's going to be about. A couple free agent moves around the league that will wrap up before we wrap up, and that is the Colts, uh, not the Colts, rather, uh, Dallas trading for defensive end Robert Quinn. Got him from Miami. The Philadelphia Eagles traded. Was that a, a sixth-round pick? I think it was a 2020 sixth-round pick. Yeah, I mean, that's they sort of gave yeah. nothing for him. Yeah, yeah the, Miami seems to be tanking hard this year. <laughs> <laughs> they don't tank in the NFL. Oh, no, never. Jordan Howard, former IU running back. I like him. Going to Philadelphia from Chicago. Which could impact the Colts with Jay Ajayi. Uh-huh. Because there was there was talk that maybe he, that Ajayi goes back to Philadelphia not now, right now. Now you wouldn't think that's the case. Yep. I like Jordan Howard too. I've I've always been been a little puzzled the last couple of years with how the Bears have used Jordan Howard because he came on so strong in his first year and was a great out of the backfield. He seemed like the perfect fit to go right after Matt Forte because he reminded me so much of Matt Forte. Well, Matt Forte was a great running back. And he was one of the most underrated running backs of the 2010s in my opinion. He had so many years in a row where he caught 70 balls out of the backfield. He was crucial to team's offense. Um, and that's why I had him on my fantasy team for many years in a row, because people were, didn't like him drafting him in the first round or the second round because he's not a sexy pick. Right. But you know what? I'll see you in the championship, that's therefore, right. with my Matt Forte as my first or second running back. That's fine with me. 
Yeah, he got overshadowed a lot by the Adrian Petersons. Exactly. And Jamal Charles. Yeah. But he just got the job done every he's, week. He's not CJ2K. He doesn't have a flashy nickname. He's going for 2,000 <laughs> yards. But you know what? He's going to give me 15 to 20 fantasy points every week, Matt there Forte. You go. And then Jordan Howard was in that vein for a little bit. And then the Bears drafted someone like Tariq Cohen, who's certainly explosive and good out of the backfield, but I don't think nearly has the same uh, wide-ranging skill set of a Jordan Howard. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's why I'm sitting in the Fox 59 CBS4 podcast studio instead of on an NFL sideline somewhere. That's quite possible. I'm not ruling that out. But I really like Jordan Howard. C.J. Anderson signs with the Detroit Lions was pretty crucial for the Rams last fall when, uh, when Todd Gurley was dealing with injury late in the season and in the playoffs. So C.J. Anderson going to the Lions. Also, Isaiah Crowell signs with the Oakland Raiders, was last year with the New York Jets. That's a lot of veteran running backs that are being gobbled up right now. And I think that tells you guys, it tells you something about, I mean, the state of the NFL right now and what they think about veteran running backs, not named Frank Gore, who's still churning it out at 35 years old, is once you reach a certain age, No one is going to pay for you. And that's why these guys are going into the second and even third or perhaps fourth week of NFL free agency without getting a contract. And that's why I remember with Bill Polian back in the Edron James days, they didn't resign Edron when he was still pretty much in his prime. Mm -hmm. And Bill's philosophy was you'd rather get rid of a running back a year too soon than a year too late. Yeah. Uh, And again, maybe that's what they did. Maybe Edron had a few more years on him. But I think the approach is unless this guy is an elite generational talent they're going to just you know just move on they're going to get a guy for four years five at the most and move on because this is a passing league and unless you're again you're unless you're the the great rare saquon barkley running back teams are not going to invest or and keep around you're going to see these guys added late these running backs because we, we, we got Hines, we got mac we got wilkins what do we need to fill that up that's what these guys be late on. That's why maybe a Jay Ajayi comes after the draft if they don't take a running back in the draft, which I don't think they do. So do you think they're done signing free agents for right now until after the draft to see what they get and then plug a few holes if they didn't you know, get a position they were looking for through the draft? I think if, if maybe they made an offer to Jay Ajayi, you know, we'll give you one year. It's obvious they've got their price tag, $2 million, and he says, oh, I'll wait and see. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe if he comes back next week and says, I'll take it, maybe they do that. But for the most part, teams are done. They've, they've, they, they've gotten the guys they wanted to get, and they're going to get to the draft. Now, when the draft's over, what didn't we address? What weren't we able to address? Whether it's a – we haven't even talked about tight ends with the Colts. Nope. So I think there's areas that if you don't get it in the draft, then you go and say, well, okay, we got these guys we can go to. But I think they're done unless an Ajayi comes back and says, you know – your offer wasn't too bad. I'll take it. <laughs> I I think running back, maybe they might. If I think Mike brings up a good point, if Jai has nowhere else to go and Colts are kind of his his last choice, so to speak. But the Colts entered last year with four running backs on their roster. They have Marlon Mack, Naheem Hines, and Jordan Wilkins right now. And I mean, last year they had Robert Turbin as well. And then he was put on uh, whatever suspended. it was. Yeah, yeah, suspended. He was suspended. Oh, and yes. then he was put on IR. So, yes, you're both right. He was suspended <laughs> and then put on IR. Um, but they have Jonathan Williams, who lasted all year on their practice squad, was even called up once or twice to the, the roster. And that's because Frank Reich said that was because that was due to um, – due to what's the word? Uh, it's not talent, but he, he deserved he's, he's it. He sort of earned it. Yeah, that's what they said. He, he, like, he earned that he, spot. He, he, well, he earned the spot, but more that he earned the payday. Yeah, because there's you know there, there's a massive difference between practice squad and, and active roster. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, they were just giving this guy some reward for for doing what he had to do and not create a fuss. So that has to endear players to a team to some degree, right? And so maybe that those are your four running backs that you enter the NFL season with. And if I think if that's your four, that's fine with me. Um, maybe you want a little bit more depth there, but well, they'll go into camp with more. Oh, absolutely. They'll, they'll go, go into in. camp I'm with saying, six or seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I'm saying if those are your final four, I right. would not be adverse to that. So no. you can draft somebody. Sure. Absolutely. You can do that. Or but, they, but they've drafted three running backs in the last two drafts. Yes. So to, to keep doing that, I, I just, I don't know they do that. It's certainly not early. Right. And that's why I, I would lean your way as well. Exactly why. Um, Joe, to further answer your question before we wrap things up about maybe potential signing free agents, the one area that I think they might address is interior offensive line with a veteran because you got Quentin Nelson, Mark Lewinsky as your starters, and behind them, 
I'm not exactly sure who you have right now. Haig, maybe. Exa- well, I, yes. Haig is a guy that is both. He can do either interior or exterior. I think they... Evan would, Bames a center. Evan Bames a center, exactly. And after him, it's like, uh, I looked. I tried to look down the roster for familiar names. Didn't really see too many from last year. So if you want to bring in a veteran guy who's a good backup, who now has nowhere to go to be a starter, who's been looking for that contract for the past couple weeks and isn't getting one, maybe you sign someone like that as an interior guard to back up They're those guys. They're going to draft a lineman, too. They will absolutely they, draft a lineman. Fourth or fifth round. Yes. It's, it's, this won't be a seventh round. No. Oh, by the way, this is going to be a guy that they think can either, I, I wouldn't say help immediately, but a guy that can develop. I, I just see a, a, a fourth or fifth round pick on an offensive lineman. Yep. Interior, probably. And the Colts went into last year again with 10 offensive linemen total. Right now, you're looking at the roster. You have backups at the tackles with Hague and Clark. You have backup at center with Evan Bain, but I don't know if you have a backup right now at guard at either of the positions. So they right. could take multiple players there, or they could sign one right now at the end of free agency and draft someone. But I think, Mike, you and I are in agreement. At least one player will be drafted, and probably on the interior offensive in, line. And a topic for another day, is that offensive lineman or left tackle? Yep. Is Anthony Costanzo your left tackle of the future? It's a topic for another day. And we will get into that on another day. That, though, will wrap up this edition of the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Just our first real foray into the Colts' upcoming draft at the end of this month in April. Plenty more draft analysis to come, including questions that Mike just brought up. Like, is this guy, this case Anthony Costanzo, your guy of the future? If he's not, then you have to start planning now. You start Exactly, right now. This draft. Try to get somebody that you like. If there's somebody that you really like, bring him in. See what he can do, and then go from there. So, Mike Chapel at mchapel51 on Twitter. Joe Hopkins at Roto Street Joe on Twitter. I'm Dave Griffiths at DaveG underscore sports on Twitter. Follow us there for the latest breaking Colts news, or any other news, really, throughout the week, for me in particular. I was just up in Muncie earlier today at Pro Day, Mike. Yeah, exciting. Did, did, did you visit my my former dorm up there? I'm a, I'm a Ball Stater trip trip. Oh, hey yo. <laughs> No, I did not. Maybe Class next of 1973, time. not to date yeah, myself. Yeah, buddy. There you go. Be proud. Be proud. So for this edition of the Colts Blue Zone podcast, we'll see you later. And enjoy your week, everybody. Take care. <laughs>